Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Nancy Davis. Nancy, are you ready to do this? Yes. Great to be here. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. Nancy is the portfolio manager of the iVol Exchange Traded Fund. She's also the founder of Quadratic Capital Management. She's been named a top 100 woman in finance, and she's a Goldman Sachs alumni. I'm excited to have you on the show. Nancy, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I, uh, I'm excited to have uh, the pleasure to um, to create this product. Um, it's really, um, in my opinion, democratizing the financial markets and giving access to everybody to a market that is, uh, is not as common in ETF format. Uh, most ETFs are just stocks and bonds, um, and they're slicing portfolios in different ways. What iVol gives access to is um, obviously 85% of the portfolio is treasuries, which is nothing unique, um, U.S. treasuries. But then we add um, options that are on inflation expectations using the rates market. And uh, that's really exciting because the rates market is, you know, arguably the largest market in the world. And most uh, regular people have, you know, 80% of their net worth is tied up typically in uh, the value of their home. And most uh, professional real estate people hedge rates, but most regular people just sit there long. So uh, I feel really good about um, democratizing the markets, providing access, and also innovating um, in the ETF world. Well, I think that that's that, that obviously a very, very cool thing. As, as you looked out at the landscape of, of, it, of investing and everything else, how did you decide that this was going to be the, the path you were going to take? Well, the problem that we were trying to solve was that, you know, every investor's portfolio, whether you think there's going to be deflation or inflation, inflation is a risk. Um, and the risk is that you're, uh, you outlive your savings, right? And especially if we have a weak currency in this country, um, that could actually stimulate inflation. Now, because nobody thinks it's going to happen, it's really cheaply priced because inflation expectations are very low. Um, at the same time, I think most most uh, regular investors don't have any idea that their portfolio is short volatility and fixed income. And that's because mortgages, whenever you own a mortgage as an investor, you're short the option to the homeowner because a homeowner can prepay whenever they want. Uh, the mortgage market has very fancy terms for this, like convexity correction. But mm. said another way, people who have, say, the Barclays Ag Index as a way of having passive exposure, they have no inflation protection in that index. And a third of it, approximately, is short volatility from the mortgage exposure. So I really saw a problem. And I wanted to create a solution, um, especially 
with defining inflation, um, most investors are using um, all sorts of things, whether it's gold or, um, you know, equities or real estate or uh, inflation protected bonds. Um, and I thought it would be good to diversify away from the CPI basket, which is set by um, the BLS, uh, the US government basically sets the basket. And a third of the basket they define as shelter, and shelter is mostly rent. And I just thought it might not be the best measure to have, you know, all your chips on that basket. And so we have inflation protected securities in the portfolio in IVAL, but then we add these options that are, in my opinion, similar to options on inflation expectations. Okay. So let me take a, a big step back. We're talking about um, that inflation is certainly a, a risk that we're facing and that to protect yourself from that inflation is relatively inexpensive. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, exactly. Okay. And has that has that remained constant throughout everything that, that that's that's been going on with COVID and and the the CARES Act and PPP and everything else? No, it's done nothing but fallen. Um, it's quite interesting um, because most people expect the pandemic to be quite deflationary, um, but at the same time, the market has priced that in. So we do think it's a good, um, you know, almost like when people look at the equity market and they think about value plays, I do think owning uh, inflation expectations and interest rate volatility for that point on the long side are good values because um, interest rate vol has hit a low since the late 1980s. You can see that by some of the indices that try to approximate the rates market. And at the same time, inflation expectations are very, very low. And so I think whether the Fed is successful or not stimulating inflation, I feel like it's something that just like um, if you're a homeowner and you own uh, you own your home and you have homeowner's insurance, if your house doesn't burn down at the end of the year, you're not, you know, angry about that, right? You're just like, that's, <laughs> you're not like, oh man, what a waste of money. Um, I think it's just something that people need to have. Um, and I think a lot of investors just don't realize that they're short ball in their fixed income exposure whenever they have mortgages. So it seems like, you know, kind of, uh, a good solution to help investors diversify, to help investors um, capture a different type of inflation measurement away from the CPI basket, and also to buy something that's pretty cheaply priced, which is um, interest rate volatility from the long side. I can almost guarantee that, to, to your point, that most people that are homeowners have no idea that they are short volatility, right? That's... Well, the the owners of the more the homeowner is actually long the option okay. if they have a mortgage, they can prepay whenever they want, okay. meaning prepay the loan. The owner of the mortgage, so the financial instrument that finances that home, they're the ones that are short volatility. But many of the passive indices, like for instance, the Bloomberg Barclays Ag Index, many people own it as a way of having. Uh, diversified fixed income exposure, approximately a third of that index is short 
uh, vol because it owns mortgages. Got it. Okay. So people who are trying to do the right thing, theoretically speaking, a smart thing from an investment standpoint by taking that approach are actually maybe doing a little bit of the opposite. I think they just have a hole that they need to, because most people own fixed income because they want to have diversification to their equity exposure. And I think the iVol ETF is a nice way to potentially add diversification um, to give inflation protection as well as inflation expectations and also um, long volatility, um, specifically in interest rates, which I think just most people don't realize that they're short it um, in their other passive fixed income uh, portfolio. Like anytime you have a mortgage exposure, you are short ball. Got it. Okay. And when I say got it, that doesn't mean that I really necessarily understood everything you just said, Nancy. <laughs> just, just being a hundred percent honest. Okay. So, so let me, let me maybe define long and short volatility. Cause that's probably yeah, a great. little bit of a weird concept. Um, basically if you're long volatility, it's just like being long a stock, you benefit when it goes higher, right? So if there's market stress and volatility increases, that will likely benefit um, the iVol ETF. We own inflation volatility, inflation uh, interest rate vol. Um, so it's not equity vol, it's a different type of volatility. And then if you're short volatility, um, like with a mortgage, you have, um, when there's market stress mathematically, you will lose money in price terms. It's similar to like interest rates and bond prices, right? When interest rates move higher, investors lose money on the price of their bonds. Right. Okay. Got it. So for people who, who, who do you think that this is potentially, um, a good fit for just some, some scenarios or, or some examples? So I think everyone should consult their financial advisor to see if it's appropriate. But I really think everybody should own this in their portfolio because people do need to protect against uh, inflation, um, whether they think it's going to happen or not. Um, people need to have diversifying assets. Ival historically has had very, very low correlation to equities and credit and other markets, and that's because it's something different. Um, it's also providing access to the rates market, which is um, a very, very large market and um, something that most investors um, only trade stocks and bonds where, you know, they have so much exposure uh, to interest rates, typically through uh, their home ownership or renting. And um, we just think it's a really, um, you know, what investors need in today's environment is something that's diversifying. You know, I, uh, I do, it worries me when so many people are rushing into gold. Um, I think gold could be a bit of a currency bet, right, if we had a weak dollar or a psychology trade, but it's not really, in my opinion, a great inflation hedge. So I think it's just important for investors to have lots of things in their portfolio because we just don't know what the history holds and you want to have um, a diversified asset allocation. Yeah, I certainly definitely, definitely appreciate and agree with that. So when you say it has a low correlation to equities, when, when stocks are going up, that's really not going to have an impact on this. Is that right? Well, so it's um, 
in the first quarter, the iVol ETF had positive performance um, and we made money in the month of March. We also continued to make money in the second quarter and also um, the third quarter is obviously not finished yet since it's uh, still September. But it's, um, it's not something that loses money when equities go higher. But it's not, it doesn't have a negative correlation. It just has a no correlation, meaning it's something different. Um, you can see the correlation matrix to common asset class, whether it's equities or credit. It actually even has no correlation historically to the VIX either. We have a 0.01 correlation to VIX. So um, it's, uh, it's just different, which I think is good in these times. You know, people need to have things that are, uh, diversified away from just stocks and bonds, in my opinion. Yeah, appreciate that. And then access to the rate, <clears throat> pardon me, access to the rates market. And you mentioned at the top that the rates market was arguably one of the largest markets. So can you tell me a little bit more about what it really means to have access to that? Yeah, so um, most uh, most investors um, have stocks and bonds in their liquid portfolio, but they don't access the rates market, which is uh, when you hear um, uh, all of interest rates is what I mean by interest rate markets. And so most of corporate America and banks and real estate investors and more, I'd say, professional investors, they all access the rates market but most regular investors do not. So I do think it's an important big market for investors to have access to. And um, we own, in Ival, we own options on uh, the yield curve. In addition, so about 85% of the portfolio is U.S. Treasuries. We use inflation-protected treasuries. And then we add a small portion of the portfolio, which is long. These are fully funded, long-only options on uh, the yield curve. And the reason we do that is because the yield curve, which is the difference between uh, interest rates at different points in time, it's largely a result of an investor's expectations for inflation in the future. Okay, nice. And then certainly people ought to, investors should and want something to diversify um, further what their portfolio is. And I it's it's an interesting thing for sure when we see gold um, going up and up and up. Um, but you are you have concerns that people are viewing that as a hedge to inflation. Um, historically, ha, ha, has has it not worked out that way? Yeah, no. It gold has not been a historically good hedge to um, inflation, and it concerned me like one of um. Somebody said, oh, well, Warren, you know, a client said to me once, uh, Warren Buffett's buying gold. And I was, it made me look up and Warren Buffett in 1998 actually said that, you know, he made the observation that gold gets dug out of one part of the ground, you know, in Africa or someplace. Then we melt it down. We dig another hole. We bury it again. <laughs> then we pay people to stand around and guard it. And it has no utility. And anyone watching from Mars would be scratching their head. And so I think it's important for people to know he bought the company Barrett Gold. It just happens to have the stock ticker gold. He didn't actually own, you know, he's not he's not buying gold. And, you know, throughout history, gold has been used as, you know, a store of wealth. 
but I don't really see it as a safe haven for inflation. I see it more as a currency trade or a psychology trade. So, um, so yeah, I just think it's important for people to say, you know, to know what you own and to not get caught up in, um, in kind of the, the momentum and to just be open to new things and looking at the numbers and saying, look, nobody knows what the future is going to hold. Nobody knows whether there's going to be more volatility in markets or less. Nobody knows if there's going to be inflation or deflation or stagflation or, or maybe it's just going to be perfect. But regardless, just like if you going back to the insurance comment, I think it's important for people to be prepared and the market is not uh, not expecting inflation or interest rate volatility, which is why it's really cheaply priced, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that that's all well put. In terms of uh, certainly when when just for the average investor out there, when they see gold going up, I don't think that that many people really understand why that is, but their brains tell them, well, this is something that I should buy then. And then talking about or thinking about in terms of all these new financial technology companies that are coming out, like, um, I guess it doesn't matter to, to, to name individual companies, but all these trading apps that are, I think, making it a lot more accessible, and that's good or bad, because good and bad. You talked about how you wanted to democratize the financial markets. Do you have thoughts and opinions on these trading apps that are coming out? Um, I do know that many of the trading apps only allow passive ETFs, um, and uh, passive ETFs are are ETFs that are replicating indices. And so I do think it's important for investors to have, um, Ival is an actively managed ETF, meaning um, you know it is very rules-based, but there is no index that we're replicating. Uh, there is no interest, you know, IVOL stands for the Quadratic Interest Rate Volatility and Inflation Hedge ETF. There is no Interest Rate Volatility and Inflation Hedge Index, so there's nothing to replicate. So technically, it's active. So I'd say one thing with these, a lot of the platforms, is they only allow passive products um, on the on the system, which I think is a little frustrating, um, especially when you're doing something uh, different and diversifying um, to not be kind of allowed in the door. So I think that's the one thing with these these platforms is they they're very um, uh, you know I think it's really just scratching the surface of the investment universe and not really allowing most investors to have uh, really access and choices to everything out there. I certainly appreciate that. That is interesting. Um... Have you had conversations with them to try to get Ival on on the platforms? And that's just they they say no. We only do passive strategies. Only passive ETFs. Yeah, I did. Um, I did send a couple uh, notes and had conversations. And I also tried to explain. I was like, look, if you only allow, uh, you know, passive fixed income, you know, any place where fixed income has mortgages, your clients are short ball and they have no idea that they're short ball. Um, so I even tried to make that argument, um, to them, but it's, uh, it's passive only. And most of these, um, fixed income passive funds, you know, typically about a third of them is mortgages, which is short ball. So it's a little frustrating. Um, so I feel like 
it's kind of hypocritical too to be like, oh, we're such a great technology platform, but they don't actually embrace technology. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm, you know, uh, I think, um, but, but the nice thing about an ETF is anyone can buy an ETF, but you might have to get a, um, you know, a financial advisor or a brokerage account because some of the, most of the platforms don't allow things that are not passive. Got it. Okay. And this is obviously going to be a case-by-case deal, and I, I'm just asking out of pure curiosity, do the folks who are who are saying no, do they fully understand what 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 it is that you're describing that their platform is missing? Um, do you think that I they don't. get it, Nancy, or is it going right <laughs> over their heads? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think uh, it's hard to say. I'm not sure. I mean, at the end of the day, I think you really want to do what is right for people. And I am a really big believer that having uh, owning inflation, inflation expectations and owning volatility, being long it so you can potentially benefit from market stress is so important because you don't want to have your portfolio all selling off together. Um like, for instance, many investors were really panicked in March because kind of everything went down. Um, even gold was going down. Eyeball outperformed gold for some period in March. And you just want to have stuff that's that's different. So you might be able to uh, give more diversification. And I don't really know if – I think it's just their ways. And I think it's easier to just say only passive and go from there. Um, cause there are in the ETF world, most of the, most of the exchange traded funds are passive. The active market is really, really small and it's really new. So I think it's just more of a headache, um, for them and just more work. And I think generally people take the easy road. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well, I'm sure that, uh, in a time, probably not too far in the distant future, uh, you'll have the opportunity and people have the opportunity to, to work with more active ETFs such as yours via some of these technologies and platforms. So fingers crossed. (laughs) Thank you. Fingers crossed. All right, Nancy. Well, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So I, um, I do think it's, uh, it's a very, very difficult time for investors uh, if we have a stagflationary environment. If you, you know, look it up on uh, in you know on the internet stagflation by definition is typically an environment where we have low growth um, we typically it's coupled with a high unemployment rate and it's when the price of goods is going up but not for growth reasons and I am personally very worried about stagflation as a result of the pandemic not um, not higher prices in the form of you know, necessarily food or shelter or things that are in the seat or energy, but in the form of, you know, parts or if you've tried to get any, you know, anything like a bicycle or, you know, all of these things, anything that takes parts that are not made or other places, supply chains have been broken. And I think stagflation is a huge risk for um, most investors have something that looks like a 60-40 portfolio where you know they have typically 60% in equities and 40% in fixed income and bonds 
and stagflation is really like death for both sides of the portfolio in a stagflationary environment typically bonds sell off with equities and so i think that's one thing that keeps me up at night and another frustration why i want this um why i want eyeball to be on these uh fintech platforms is because I think this is one of the few products that may potentially work in a stagflationary environment. And so I think stagflation is something that, you know, people don't really talk about, but it is a, uh, it's a disaster outcome for most portfolios. And so that keeps me up at night. And especially because it's um, something simple about, you know, accessing and again, going back to the hypocritical comment about embracing fintech and technology, but then saying, oh, no, we can only replicate passive indices. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that bothers me. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets Come on. Come on. Nancy, so stagflation, that is the death for many portfolios, the 60-40 portfolio that so many people have. So... As you're listening and you think, okay, well, that, that, that sounds a lot like me. So definitely go look up stagflation. And, and after that, Nancy, how do we, how do we learn more about IVOL? We actually have a lot of information on our fund website. Um, the website is IVOLETF.com. Um, that's I-V-O-L, like, you know, interest rate volatility, ETF.com. Um, and so people can look at um, some of the articles and read our material and our prospectus um, to see if it it may be appropriate uh, for their their portfolio with their financial advisor. Excellent. And then from there, they can just ask their financial advisor about it. Can they go and buy it through just a, a brokerage account like Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade, something like that? Yeah, IVOL is approved at Schwab and TD Ameritrade, or it's allowed on the platform. They have um, great open architecture at Schwab um, where you don't need these platform approvals. Unlike the uh, more newer fintech portfolios, they're claiming to be such fintech, these platforms, but they don't allow our product on there even though. So I know with Schwab and TD, it's now the same uh, anything that's listed on the uh, a listed product, like Ivol's listed on the New York Stock Exchange, it's immediately uh, allowed into portfolios. Whereas it's funny these these newer fintech platforms don't allow everything on there. You know, so I feel like they don't really have the technology, or there's some other reason that they don't allow them in. Yeah, funny, like haha. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so stupid. It's uh, it's sorry, I shouldn't say stupid, but it's um. It's, <laughs> you know, uh, completely uh, in name only, at least, it seems. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Got it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Nancy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to ivoletf.com. That's I-V-O-L-E-T-F.com. Learn all about it. Ask your financial advisor if it's something that is right for you. Um And I was going to say something else, Nancy, but I totally blanked on it. So let's just go with this. Thanks again. It's really a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I appreciate it. You bet. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? 
any or all of these are familiar, Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.